Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast, where business owners like you come to learn how to grow the valuation of their companies so they can sell in the future. On this show, you'll learn how to sell for top dollar and invest in profitable businesses around the country. Now, here are your hosts, Jazz and Joe. Welcome back to the Abundant Culture Podcast. This week, Joe and I want to talk to you about risk because when it comes to investing, we we think about risk a lot and we think of it almost as if we're gambling away our money. So we want to talk about risk specifically in regards to small business passive investing and then we could probably even reference like real estate and other things too. Yeah, so one of the first things I want to cover about risk is I think there is, I think, honestly, a lot of people misunderstand risk because growing up, you're not necessarily taught how to properly assess risk, especially in financial terms. So in the basic foundation of it, I think there's two components of risk. There is one, what can be lost, and then there's two, the probability of Uh, actual loss occurring. So to kind of put it into perspective, let's say you have $100,000 to invest. Your point of risk in that situation is the $100,000 that you actually have to invest. But the other component of it is how likely you are to actually uh, have a loss to that $100,000. And I think we're wired to understand you know, what is at stake in any given moment. Like, you know, every time you get in your car, if you don't pay attention to the road, your life is at stake. If you don't watch your kid, you know, their safety is at stake, depending on how young they are. Uh, So I think it's really easy to spot uh, what is actually at risk, but I I don't think people are actually good at assessing the probability of that something might actually occur. And I think it's one of those things that's very subjective. I don't know if there is a really uh, clear-cut way to actually know uh, what that is or what it's going to be like, but I do think that there's ways to think about it that can better your chances at doing anything. Like uh, me and Jasmine, we were binge-watching Game of Thrones. and forever, and if you haven't watched it, go watch it. Thank us later. Yeah, and there was a conversation going on in the show, and it was, I think this guy Tyrion, and I think this girl Sansa, and then there was another person, and I can't remember who that third person was, but that third person was not trustworthy at all. Actually, most people in the show aren't really trustworthy, but particularly the person that they were talking about or talking to in this scene was definitely not trustworthy. They had a track record of being untrustworthy, and... In, in that dialogue, they, they finished talking to that third person. That third person left. And then Sansa turns to Tyrion and she says, are you really going to trust this person? And what Tyrion said was that I don't trust the person. I trust that they will do what they think is in their best interest. And this is something that in a business context, I you know, always keep at the top of my mind because this is really, really true. I think there are a lot of good people in the world and I think there aren't as many bad people as uh, some people might like to think or might act like. But I don't think anybody in the world, regardless of who you are, is 100% good 
or 100% bad. And that means when you're doing business deals with people who you may like or you may think they're a good person, there's still a risk of them screwing you over. And a lot of times it can be on accident. They might not even mean to do it, but just by nature of the transaction or who they are or what they don't know, all of that can be a risk to you. So I think one thing that I always try to remember is that I try to structure my business in ways where the people that I surround myself with and the team that I surround myself with, they actually lose something if I lose, because then that means that me succeeding is also within their best interest as well. Because let's be honest, unless you've been around somebody your whole entire life, you might not necessarily know who they truly are at their core. And even if you have spent your whole life with people, I mean, you still get really surprised by family sometimes yeah. <laughs> and and you know these people very intimately. So I think, you know, relating to the topic of risk, I think what you have to do as a small business owner is always know that risk is going to be present regardless of what you do. So you shouldn't try to engineer it out of your life because there's just no possible way of you eliminating all the risk that there is in your life. You can't do it. And even if you did somehow manage to do it, which you won't, but even if you did, your life will probably suck because, I mean, there is a, a certain amount of risk that I think is healthy especially in the business setting, especially in the financial setting. I like mean, what? Uh, so, you know, everybody talks about um, investing is risky, but I, there's different uh, things that you can invest in and there's different strategies that you can use in each of those types of investments. So like you have stocks, you have bonds, you have um, real estate, you have small business. I would say those are probably the big four. Well, and then you also have uh, foreign currencies or any type of currency for that matter. So that's five different asset classes right there. And there's probably more, but I think those are the most common for the most part. And for each of those five asset classes, there's different strategies you can use in each one. And how well you're going to do in any one of those strategies depends on your education level in that specific strategy. So you're talking about probably dozens of different ways that you can invest and probably dozens of different ways that you can lose your money in doing so. And I think a lot of times when it comes to investing, we just we're taught that it's risky, but we don't look at the risk on an individual basis. For example, you can say, you know, investing is risky, but investing it in what? Because there's different things you can invest in. Stocks have a different risk profile than bonds. Uh, bonds have different risk profiles than real estate. Real estate has a different risk profile than business. So which asset class are you talking about when you say investing is risky? You can say all of it is risky, but not all of it is the same type of risk. And not only do you have to evaluate the actual risk, the, the risk of the thing that you're investing in, and not only do you have to evaluate the strategy in which you use to invest in it, but you're also a component too. Cause, because Robert Kiyosaki uses this analogy all the time. For example, statistically speaking, you are more likely to die behind the wheel of a car than you are to die flying in an airplane. Because you drive more. Because you drive more. And actually, there's also more things that can go wrong in a car than there is in the plane, I believe if I'm not mistaken. And plus, you know, it's the, the, the checks on your like car it, yeah, isn't as, you know, thorough as it would be on a plane. So mm -hmm. you're actually, you're, you're more risk driving a car than you are in an airplane. Now, 
Am I still more afraid of flying? Yes, because it feels more risky to me. And I think that's one of the things that we got to remember as human beings is that what we think of as a risk might not be a statistical risk. We just feel like it's a risk Mm -hmm. because there's like if I wanted to think about it logically, which every time I go try to fly somewhere, I, I literally think to myself, I am literally safer on this plane than I have ever been in a car. But it never feels that way. Like ever. I have never felt as comfortable in a plane as I do in a car. Even though statistically speaking, I know that I am safer in that plane than I ever will be in a car. So I think if I feel like that when it comes to planes, then you have to suspect that when it comes to investing, that you as an individual might feel that same way. Instead of looking at the facts, the statistics, and the actual data, you're going to, you know, all you know is my heart is pumping fast for whatever reason. I don't feel comfortable, but I think a lot of times we have to at least acknowledge, even though I feel this way, the fact of the matter is, is that this isn't as risky as I think it might be. And I think a lot of people associate basically they associate what they're not familiar with with risk like oh just because i'm not familiar with it um it must be more risky just like the first time i ever flew on a plane like i wasn't familiar with it so i assumed that it had to be more risky but that wasn't the actual case so well like to kind of piggyback off of that in my management class we were just going over the final chapter of the book and it was talking about when companies like change or when they merge or something significant changes and how all of like the employees are resistant and the reasons why and one of those reasons is because like the fear of the own the unknown so when now that we're talking about it i'm kind of thinking well employees being afraid of the unknown and being resistant to change kind of It's very, very similar to investors Mm -hmm. in their fear of the unknown and resisting the the change like within their investment portfolios. Yeah. Because like, I don't know if you know this, but if you don't, we have a private equity fund, a $10 million fund that we're going out to buy businesses. And at first we were trying to raise capital from real estate investors because that was basically what our whole network was comprised of because we started in real estate, but they are, they have that resistance like that. They, they don't really understand or they don't know and even if they we do tell them more about investing instead of just real estate but investing in small businesses they are super resistant yeah and i think it's that again that fear of the unknown yeah so we assess this as a actual risk when it might not be a risk just because you don't understand it or know about it doesn't mean that it's actual risk Mm -hmm. and just like me on planes I don't have to fly the plane because there's a pilot who understands planes and I'm never going to be in control of that but in his hands I'm actually safer so or her hands so I think you know we have to just keep in mind that what is the actual risk and what's the perceived risk and I think there's a lot of uh, people make a, fi- a lot of financial decisions based off a of perceived risk and not the actual risk that's on the table. If you own a small business and you might be looking to sell, you could run into some major issues. Forbes estimates that 9 out of 10 businesses listed never actually sell. Why? Because there's only one way to sell. You need to do these four steps first. So if you want to be a part of the 10% of businesses that sell for profits, we've created a free checklist for you so you can sell without those hurdles that normally hold you back. 
Download the free checklist by visiting www.abundantculture.co forward slash checklist. So would a perceived risk be like, like when people invest with a, a broker, like a stockbroker, or they have like yeah. a financial planner, I feel like that would probably be a perceived, uh, well, not really risk, but I guess a perceived safety. That, that is a perfect example because the flip side of that is they can say, oh, if I just invest in, and let's use stocks. I don't invest in stocks, but I know a lot of other people do. And I think it will kind of bring this together really nicely. So let's say somebody, they wants to invest, they want to invest in the stock market, but they don't know too much about the, the market. So they have two choices. They can either A, buy into some type of index fund like the S&P 500, the Russell 3000, or Dow Jones, or whatever type of index they want to invest in. Or they can go find a financial planner or some type of some person who can actively manage their portfolio for them. And if you look at that, those choices on a face value, if you don't know what you're doing, obviously it sounds better to put your money with somebody who's professional and supposedly certified in order to do the thing that you don't know how to do. That sounds, that perceives to be a lot safer and investing in the index seems to be a uh, per, is perceived to be more risky than making that other choice. But if you look at the data, and this is why all of your decisions, it should be data first and then how you feel second. If you look at the data, it actually shows that 90% of actively managed funds fail to beat the, the indexes. So what that basically means is that if you go with the person to actively manage your portfolio as opposed to just passively investing into the index, there is a 90% chance that over the course of, I think it was 10 to 15 years, that that person is not going to outperform the index that you otherwise could have invested in. And after you pay them their fee for actively managing your portfolio, they're most likely actually going to underperform. That's a 90% chance. That's nine times out of 10. And you they're still have lose. to pay the fees. And you still have to pay the fees. So that's an example of perceived risk versus actual risk. The perceived risk was putting my money in this index fund and just letting it do whatever versus the perceived safety was I'm a put my money with this uh, person who actively manages these funds and, and get a better return for, uh, for paying them. But it was actually flipped. Like the, the actual, the safer option based on the actual data, and you can look this up, was you actually put your money into the index yourself and then just let it do whatever it's going to do, where it's going to go up, down, sideways, loop-de-loop, -loop, whatever. And that's uh, statistically safer. So I think risk is a very interesting conversation because I think it hardly ever is what it seems to be on the surface. So I think anybody who is investing um, or anybody who's doing business in general or actually everybody, everybody. I don't care who you are, <laughs> you're going to have some type of risk in your life. And I think that risk needs to be assessed in order for you to make good decisions. So like I always say, data first, feeling second. Your feelings matter, but the data matters more because data, if you think about it, by the by its very nature, it's a culmination of hundreds or thousands of people's experience. 
you would think that that definitely has a lot more value and a lot more weight than how like your gut feeling or how you feel so so where can they where can the person go to find this data and what specifically do they need to look for yeah so i just did this so i'll do it for you right now on this episode uh when it comes to investing because this is something that i literally just had to do and then i'll tell you how you can apply it in a broader sense in other areas of life so i wanted to know you know there's a traditional way that people handle their retirement you know they save up a bunch of money they invest it it grows and hopefully you know uh generates income and they just repeat that cycle until they have enough assets that generate enough income to cover all their living expenses that's pretty much retirement in a nutshell and there's three main assets that people use in order to retire they use stocks they use bonds they use uh, real estate and basically i wanted to see how all of these asset classes actually stacked up against each other so i found out that when it comes to income like the percentage of income you're making divided by the amount that you're investing. Uh, Stocks have a yield of 2.5% and bonds have a yield of, I believe it was 5.64. And then real estate, multifamily uh, real estate had a yield of 5.49%. Now, I looked up my asset class that I like, and the average small business sells for a multiple of about five times cash flow, which is equivalent to a 20% yield. So what when I did that research, what that basically showed statistically, and this is, you, you can find this information on dividend.com. I think I looked some of it up on Moody's, which is the uh, company that grades you know, bonds by safety and yield and stuff. And then a couple other websites, but I verify all of this stuff through third party. But what it basically means is that you are more likely to retire off of small businesses um, because it'll take you less time to save up that much money. And it'll also generate more income. So is small businesses first. Um, And all of this is without leverage. So if you include like financing and stuff like that, it changes the numbers. But if you were just investing cash, not using any leverage, this is what the numbers are. So small businesses first, surprisingly bonds second. Overall, long term, those numbers actually don't hold up because, you know, COVID and stuff like that. But over the long term, bonds and then real estate and then stocks. Okay. So that's an interesting find because what does everybody view as a low risk retirement stocks and bonds mm-hmm. because that's what traditional retirement is made up of whenever exactly. people invest like their 401ks with their job or whether they do it on their own exactly so really when you want to know you know think about the the outcome that you want or the outcome that you don't want so in that situation it could be retirement or it can be not having enough in order to retire so look at one of those outcomes the one that you want and the one that you don't want and then just research each one of those and then the nuances within that in order to figure out what's your best course of action and then we could get into like the chances of you losing money or something like that and still it's still pretty much in that order i believe when it comes to investments But the way you can apply this in other 
places in your life is kind of like I said, you look at your outcome, the one you want, the one you don't want, and then you just do research and, and get actual numbers, data, facts, and statistics to back up each one. So how likely am I to, um, it can be get COVID if I leave my house as opposed to staying in my house. That, you know, that's a very applicable um, study that you can do right now. And I don't know the finance because I haven't looked it up, but you can look up how likely am I to get it if I do this versus how uh, how likely am I to get it if I take another course of action or even look at look it up in the uh, case of the vaccine. Um, you can do this when, when it comes to marriage, even marriage like you can literally look up, um, you know, how what's the percentage of people who get divorced in the United States? And then once you figure that out, actually type, ask, why do most people get divorced? And you'll get like very surprising answers. And I think I, I, didn't, I never looked it up, but I heard somebody else looked it up and they said it's for money reason. So you want to eliminate uh, risk in your relationship? Get your finances together <laughs> and actually have conversations about your finances and you will actually decrease your risk of divorce. So I think. Uh, you you can never really eliminate risk, but you can definitely decrease it. And the only way to decrease risk, as opposed to avoiding it, which avoiding it doesn't decrease it, I think the best way to decrease risk is to get educated on what you're actually doing and take the best course of action according to the data. So there you have it. That was the final say-so of this episode. I hope this was helpful and have a great week. We'll see you next time. If you don't diversify your investment portfolio, you could end up losing it all. But most business owners don't know how to diversify to mitigate those risks. That's why we created this resource for you. This passive investing guide is a must-have if you're planning to invest in businesses. Don't hesitate. If you have more than 25 grand liquid, then you can't afford not to take advantage of this resource. Download the four reasons why in 2021 you need small businesses in your portfolio now by going to www.abundantculture.co forward slash guide. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Culture Podcast with Jazz and Joe. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave an honest rating and review. And remember, we're ready to buy your business. So if you're ready to sell or passively invest in other small businesses, go to AbundantCulture.co for more information. We publish episodes every Friday, so we'll see you next week.